0: Hello and welcome to Country Stride, the podcast dedicated to the landscapes, people, and heritage of Cumbria and the Lake District. I'm here under brooding skies, clag on the tops, in one of Lakeland's most dramatic valleys. I'm in Wasdale with author, illustrator, and our guide for today's walk, Mark Richards. Hello, Mark.
1: Oh, hello, David. This is majestic. I love it in Wasdale. Scorfells, Great Gable. You Barrow, you name it, they're all here. It's a majestic place to be. And who could not love the mountains of the lake district when you come to a valley like this?
0: Yeah, always an absolute favourite, isn't it? Don't get here often enough, but fabulous to be here. It is very slightly rainy at the moment. We've got swallows sweeping around above the bracken here. And we're at Greendale, Mark. Yep, a place that people
1: come to if they want to explore Buckbarrow, Sea Talon,
0: Middlefell, and from here, Buckbarrow in particular looks very dramatic, doesn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, it's a wonderful escarpment with some finely sighted cairns on it. That's one of the great qualities of Buckbarrow. And it uh, is a wonderful perch from which to observe the Wasdale screes.
0: Wasdale, of course, famous for a number of its residents, historic and current. Will Ritson. Oh, yes, the perpetual liar. And perhaps more recently, King of the Fells, the Iron Man, a genuine Lakeland legend, and our guest for today, who is it, Mark?
1: One time farmer, always a Wasdale man, Joss Naylor.
0: Yeah, we've had many requests through the years to uh, meet up with Joss, and we're doing so today, and we're doing so partly because of a new book that uh, he's co-authored with uh, one of your friends, Mark, Viv Crow. And there's a lovely story behind this. This is, we'll talk about it much more as we walk. This is a run that has gone down in fell running circles as a near legendary time on one of Lakeland's finest routes, um, but one that very few people have attempted.
1: Yeah, it's far too long for most people. Uh, It's just colossal. And it's sort of emblematic of the whole notion of the Lake District. Lakes, mires and waters.
0: Joss Naylor's Lakes, mires and waters of the Lake District so that's the title of Joss's new book and it's also what we're going to be exploring on today's podcast
1: oh it's going to be great fun I've met Joss several times before but this will be the first time I've had a chance to engage in a proper conversation
0: let's go and meet the greatest of them all Joss Naylor
1: I'm at Greendale, a little hamlet, at the real entrance to Wasdale, where the great parade of crags dominate the view to the south. And I'm in this hamlet with a very special man, Joss Naylor. It's great to see you, Joss. It's
2: good to see you as well on a morning
1: like this. Yeah, it's maybe sprinkling with a little bit of rain. And there's the odd vehicle coming through. There we go. You're never alone in Walsdale. No. Absolutely.
2: This is a special place to you? It is. Uh, Greendale, uh, I retired here about 20 odd years ago, and a little retirement home's just about 200 or 300 yards further on there. You'll see it in a minute when we move along.
1: You're a Lakeland man through and through. Uh,
2: I was born just about three or four miles further up the valley, middle of all Wow. Wow. And it's... uh, been me all for this last more or less 85 years.
1: Well, you're going to introduce us to the valley as well today, and tell us a little bit about the very special run you did. What's the name of the run? It's the
2: Lakes, Mears and Waters.
1: When did you actually do this Lakes, Mears and Waters run?
2: It'll be 38 years this summer, I reckon.
1: How old were you then?
2: 46, 47, somewhere about there. Right. In the prime of life. Oh,
1: (laughs) I think you're always in the prime of life.
2: Well, that's it. You've got to keep trying, haven't you?
1: And uh, how long was the run?
2: Now then, in miles, I wouldn't, couldn't tell you off the top of my head because I never measured it.
1: <laughs> it's actually 105 miles, Joss, I don't want it to worry you, but it's quite a journey. How much
2: ascent was involved? Uh, about 20 odd thousand, I think. It took you how long? Uh, 19 hours, 14 minutes, 20 seconds, I think.
1: Give <laughs> a second so do, who cares about how far it is that's the time and that's the time that anybody has to beat and that is one colossal aye. undertaking
2: well it's stood the test of time up till now like you know so yeah absolutely. Aye, but you know it isn't about records and things like that it's, it's about seeing the beauty of the lake district and it. that's what it all entails
1: you imbue all of that magic
2: what was the route and
1: how did you come upon it
2: well, I, always, I knew, knew of it for quite a few years because of various people doing it and I think Dave Meek, you know, he put the first bit together mm-hmm. and then uh, Leo Pollard followed on with this version.
1: I gather you had that, this
2: notion of adding some and
1: perhaps Viv, Viv Crows with us, the author of the book, who put the book together with Joss.
3: Um, can you explain why this was expanded, why he added waters? Um, Joss added just one water, he added Kentmere, because he'd seen it, um, he'd seen Dave Meek's version that Leo Pollard ran, I think in 1981 Leo ran it, didn't he? He'd seen the 26 lakes, and waters, and then he thought, well what about Kentmere? (laughs) You know, that's got mere in it, so he decided to add Kentmere Reservoir to to his list. The original list that uh, Dave Meek came up with was based on the one-inch map, the old one-inch map. Anything that was marked lake, mere or water on the OS one-inch map got included on the route.
1: Well, there you are. 105 miles completed in 1983. The time has never been better. Well, we're going to talk all about that during the course of the walks, can you give us a bit of an outline as to where we're going today?
2: We're just going to go along the road here up onto uh, the end of Buck
1: Magic. Absolute magic. Well, well, we can't wait to start. Let's get going.
2: Absolutely the answer. Unfortunately, it's a bit spitting with rain, but we'll cope. The day is going to be bad, and it's going to, when tide comes in now, it's going to rain really
1: heavily. like... And I'm by what I call Greendale Beck, but I think you call it
2: something else. But they call Cinderdale Beck. I don't know where they've got Cinderdale from, but, you know, we call it Greendale Beck as well. When it runs into the lake, it's Cinedale Beck.
1: Right, well, there's a uh, Cinedale uh, at current Water, I know. Yeah, it was a burning area where they used to burn, aye. make charcoal or something.
2: Aye, well, there is odd bits of charcoal-type stones in the bottom of some of them walls. Oh, I've well, come across are. it, and it's sort of more like a higher than base sort of stuff. You know, so they must have smelled something in that line at one time yeah. around here, like, you right. know. So
1: it was in folk memory of, of that activity. Anyway, oh. you were born in this valley. Where were you born, John? I was born John's?
2: at Middle Road, was their lad, like, you know. But I spent a lot of time at Granville when I was a small uh, child. Right. To come down and help my grandfather's uh, at air time, airtime, like, you know. he
1: had a farm here
2: as well? Well, he used to always have a cow, you know, oh. for, for his house, like, you know, in them days. Right. And uh, he had a caliper on his leg poor old lad, oh. you know. He used to knock about on a couple of sticks and he could let you fly because he used to swing himself through and he could land about three metres.
1: <laughs>
2: he had a good action with him, like. Well,
1: you developed your own style I, from him, I, I, understand I, I, I me. And so you, you were brought up on uh, Middle Row Farm. What's your early memories of that I, like?
2: In them early days, you know, it was sort of end of the 30s. I can just sort so remember odd things. Your early memories on the farm, did you have a tractor and things? No, there was no tractor still. About 1951, 52, before we got in the tractors, everything was sort of done with horses. Up until I would say 1950,
1: anyways. So, how did you cut
2: your hay? With horses, with an old McCormick cutter bar. Right. Aye, with two horses, you know, and a pole and rattlings around the necks, chains on. Did you use scythes at all? Just when I used to come down to, to my grandfather's and grandmother's, they lived there, yep. and they always had a cow. And he used to cut that little field, a third field over there.
1: All by a scythe?
2: With a scythe. Every day that he, you know, he cut a little bit extra, you know. Where did you go to school? I went to school at Gosforth, just d- down the road there, about another five miles. Did you walk to school? No, we had Jack Allison he used to take us in his uh, big Chrysler car. By the time he got to Gosforth, there was 14 in. <laughs> he used to lose one now and again, like, you know, he used well, to come round... Corner at the bottom of the big hill that come out of Gosford, he used to put his foot down and he used to swing around that corner. And if there's too much weight on the door, it would maybe fly up, and that one or two would end up in the dyke. And then it would just load them up again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very robust when they're oh, they, 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 uh, bounce.
2: they bounced. Uh, <laughs> that, that they bounced, aye, that to do. Yeah, oh, fabulous. So when you were
1: going to school, that didn't preclude you from actually helping on the farm no. a little bit?
2: He had all sorts of jobs to do. If you were absent at the time and mother had to do it, you didn't get any supper, you got chest to bed.
1: <laughs> you were an energetic lad, clearly. Obviously, there was a bit of sport at school.
2: Well, there was a bit of football. We used to play football in the clogs.
1: In clogs?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on the weekend, I used to go down and stuff at the other side at Gosforth. We never won any matches, like, you know, but we, we kicked off like the shins, <laughs> More skin
1: kicking than ball kicking. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> So occasionally you, you did get guests at Middle Row.
2: Aye. Well, in them days, you, you know, you had to employ men to work on the farm and uh, to be paid. And mother used to take visitors in, make teas and that. And uh, that was the way of getting revenue in. You, you know, it just kept people in, in the valleys, like.
1: Diversification even years and years ago?
2: Oh, God, in them days it was serious. Like, you know, was, the only thing that was worth anything was wool off sheep. And, you know, that was about it. And visitors, and because you know, all shaping that they were only worth a bob or two, you know, it wasn't, wasn't money like. It's,
1: a, it's amazing how wool has fluctuated.
2: Aye. Go back centuries, it was the wealth of the nation. Well, I know when I was at Bowderdale, I escaped a lot of weather, you know, to grow wool, and wool check it paid mid rent, and I could have a ho- holiday out of it. But you were very good at shearing by hand. Aye, I would clip 40,000 sheep with a pair of shears. That's why my hands are like bloody clogs. <laughs> <laughs> and have you still got the shears you used to use? Aye, oh, yeah, I clipped round garden, ended lawn and that sort of thing, tidied up. That's I used good. them a couple of days ago on I cut my lawn. You, you don't get rid of them.
1: No? No, you've got, you've got to keep a memory. In your early youth, that, that uh, farming, you were learning about the whole process of farming in this valley.
2: Oh, that's right. Aye, but I, I had a good tutor, because my father, like, had a tremendous head on him. And he knew every shape he had and where it went on the fowls, and he had... I would say nearly 3,000. Could tell you where they went and what the sire was, and he was very, very clever. And I've seen me watching him sort years off that were going to be sold, and the big, big fish sheep come past. And I say, hey, you missed one there. He said, the stupid bugger had no milk, and he wouldn't let his land soak. <laughs> so he knew his actual characteristics <laughs> exactly. and he knew it, and it was no good. And same when you gathered the sheep and clipping down, there might be a few lambs that fell, and maybe other people's sheep had come in, and maybe lambs and, and lambs weren't marked, and he would catch them and put them into the orchard, and he would just say, "I'd catch that lamb; it belongs that yellow. You know, I knew every one.
1: What kind of smit mark did he have on
2: the ears? He knew every earmark within adjoining valleys. Aye, well, aye. Were there ever a, a shepherds' meats that aye, uh, sorted used, them out? They used to always have at least one a year at uh, Westwater or In the yard, now it's gone, but there was two little sheep pens the back of this uh, big hut, and the stray sheep used to go in there. You know, the shepherds' there was one would come from maybe Annadale in the earlier days That's and, what think, and, the and put them here and Bodderdale. And Boroughdale, even. Aye, and, and Eskdale. Aye, and, you know, they would all be sorted out and they would walk the strays back. There was all the sods once when, you know, where it would drift a bit. And maybe when somebody was gathering, they would hear dogs barking and they would make their way off and they would, you know, run, run onto other people's heads. Get out of alignment a bit. Well, uh, that's fascinating.
1: We need to get uh, a little bit of pace on and go look a bit further up on this uh, flank of the fell. Well, we've come up to a, a fold, well, a, more of a beeld, it's a curved, walled area with, with a very distinctive stone in the middle of it, which, Josh, you seem to feel that that has some significance.
2: I would like to know, really, you know, because they say it, it didn't exist. It was all covered in bracken, you know, and then yes. over the years, it, bracken had taken over and covered the foundation and everything. There's just odd bits of walls looking out. Yeah. When I knocked uh, the brackens off in this area... I decided you know to build it up,
1: yeah,
2: and uh, over the years I've added to it and put it back to where I thought it would originally have been,
1: and we overlooked the hamlet and the enclosures. there's lovely enclosures there that embrace the cottages. you've done bits of work down there as well.
2: I'm really all them walls I heightened when I retired to Greendale. I heightened the walls maybe be by about a foot and then calmbed them
1: Yes.
2: and it did away with. You know, by wire and posts and things like that. And uh, it looked a lot tidier. Yeah, you're, you're not a man with idle hands. No, I've done a lot of work.
1: And they got these lovely rowans, where the berries are out uh, now.
2: I, I like rowans, and uh, I used to put tubes on any little ones I've seen growing out of the brackens, you know, and I'm knocking the brackens off. Then are now covered in lovely red berries. Absolutely. And uh, round about the back end of the air, there's birds, big red thrushes. <laughs> Field fairs. Field fairs, yeah. and they come from Scandinavia. And sometimes there's three or four hundred of them come, and they'll clear all them red berries in about three or four days, and then they're going somewhere else.
1: The idea of the road itself is to feed the birds so that's they can it. plant the aye, seeds aye, elsewhere. You
2: know, yep. So that's why, you know, there's so many just in this area. we've been looked after, really. Now, you uh, allude to this open
1: space with these features in that you've discovered. Aye.
2: The critical thing about this bracken
1: area is the sheer extent of it. And I think anybody coming into the valley, they can see the meadows below it, which are all clear, and the enclosures that, uh, have got grass in them. But above it, running quite far up the fellside, it is clear.
2: Now, that is all Joss's work. What I did uh, when I used to walk my dogs uh, every morning and night, I would knock them off with the stick. I let them grow till about say two thirds of the height yep. before they got strong, and it just tapped them with stick. It just took tops off them, yep. and then they would grow again. Yep. And then I would knock the whole lot off by the bottom yep. and bleed them.
1: Now, how many years of endeavour does this represent?
2: It, it takes three years, you know, if they've been done before. If they've been cut for bedding out. It might be might take four years, but if you get amongst them up there now, and you can get rid of them in two years. Wow. Aye, but you've got to do it and do it right. There's no shortcuts with Bracken. If you miss them once, you put put a lot more work to get rid of them. Right.
1: But anybody coming here now
2: sees this enormous area that's been cleared, and that's you? Aye, but it just shows, if anybody, it just puts a little bit of effort in what can be done.
1: Well, you're a phenomenal man, Joss. Absolutely. You've got these enclosures that you've uh, restored having revealed them from the bracken. But there's other cairns that you put up, like the one you did in respect of the Queen Mother.
2: Well, there's one there up on the moss. It's only about maybe seven or eight foot tall, but it's on on the skyline, and, you know, when you come towards the signpost on the lakeside, you look across and see it. When I was a small child going to school. Nearly every day when I was going to school, it was clear I'd look and see it. And I thought, well, I'll go to that someday. And, uh, you know, I sort of respected it. And in 1966, we lost quite a few canes, and that one was taken down. And I've no idea who took that one down, like, you know. But uh, he's not here any longer. Robinson's cane, you know, in Ennerdale, going to Pillar Rock, it was pulled down and one and I Crags, top of Ubarra, top of Lingmel. They were real, beautiful-made canes, you know. They lasting forever, and they were destroyed. But, you know, they're put up again now, but... The people who've built them and the skill and knowledge of the stones.
1: A dry stone diker is a very definite learnt skill. Oh, that's right. You can I,
2: a stone. That's it. You put a good cam on the top and back it up and it'll hold the wall together if it's got stuck that shave walker on top of that and it doesn't bother it like. What's the sort of motivation in your soul to actually get out and clear this, restore these well, features? I think it's just more or less using your time to do something. And, you know, do something that, that leaves an impression for people to come and look at. Oh, Aye, it. and this here lets people see that there's someone who does care. You know, and it's only it's the someone. There's not very many people do these sort of things.
1: My thinking is, how on earth does a
2: man leading a humble farming life get drawn into running up the fells? Aye, well, I never really had a lot of interest in racing, you know, as such. I got more pleasure out of going for a long run on my own and, you know, not bothering about racing and things like that. Uh, I knew I had the ability to to be a top athlete because the consultant in Manchester Royal Infirmary told me just that, like, you know. Kept us for a week for a guinea pig. I had more interviews and Soft Mick. <laughs> so you were in the infirmary, what was that all about? I, well, I got a kick in my back when I was a small lad, like kick up the ass, it went wrong, like, you know, it wasn't nice. No, and uh, I know what happened because I was giving my mother a bit of old book, and I think she tried to catch it, and this has gone out of the step. I think she missed me backside. And, Hit your bone. Aye. Oh gosh, so that's uh, has that been a lifelong issue? I well, I was about 11 years before I got operated, you know, I missed 11 years of my young life. Oh, now
1: that's serious, isn't it? Puts a perspective on your achievements subsequently, but they were impressed by your physique otherwise when you were well, in hospital.
2: R- r- the first thing they asked you when they come round down they, stage is, When did you finish work? And I said, Last night.
1: You've got a high threshold for pain, obviously.
2: I could suffer. Yeah. <laughs> <Because of laughs> no bloody choice. Well, you're suffering me very well, <laughs> so
1: that's very good on you. Well, you've had your injury. The doctors sorted you out to the best of their ability. And you did your first race at the Ennerdale
2: Fell Race. No, and it was a uh, mountain trial at Wasdale Head. The long story short of the mountain trial from Wasdale Yeah. And uh, Harry Griffin, who, you know, the man who wrote the books, yeah. I... He was staying at Bosworth Island, he was quite a big friend of Will's Ferris, and Will said, Is anybody who would like to run the mountain trial. Mm-hmm. And I was having my breakfast next morning, and Will's come in and said, would you fancy running the mountain trial this morning? And I said, no, I hadn't thought about that. Yes. He said, you would like to give it a go? I said, no, I would, I've would, i got no running gear of any kind, like. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just got dead legs out of my trousers and went in my strong boots, like. <laughs> <laughs> with ladies at top of hill, but I was in the lead at Black Sale Lutz. I come down the riding forest to go to Black Sail Lutz. I got a cramp in my legs, oh. so I sat down there for five or ten minutes and
1: waiting and, for the rest to catch up. Well
2: I didn't bother that them to come and go and uh, and then I joined in I didn't get rid of my cramp till I got to stayhead Town. town right White Bridge was a checkpoint. Yes. After that I picked up a bit, you know, I got rid of cramp and I joined in again and Started pushing forward. I finished about halfway field. How long before you
1: realised that you were a really tremendous capacity to oh, do it? Oh,
2: well, it was before that, really, because Eric Baird was about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a run of two with Eric. And uh, he said, you know, that I had a lot of ability, you know. He said all the records were yours on the track, on the road, on the everything. wasn't to be like... And I, I never really got into it, uh, you know, in a big way. No, but and the bells were there for you to Aye, I, I used to like, you know, going for the long trots on a, on a Sunday. And got a lot of pleasure out of that.
1: Oh, I love the notion of a trot. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, was,
2: it was more of my saying than, than, than racing.
1: Now, I want to refer back to that magical day, uh, 25th of June, 1983, when you
2: convened at, was it Loweswater? Five o'clock at Loweswater. Five I, o'clock? Aye. It was just, a, you know, like a nice summer's morning. Aye, I, I nipped across the field there and uh, touched the water at Loweswater. Oh. And I was coming up past this old cow and it looked up and I said, I'm going to do it. Lakes, Mates out last. I spoke to a cow? Aye. That's
1: the way to approach life. There's a farmer for you. Aye,
2: and anyway, it wasn't interested, so I left We went up past Kirkstyle and... Went into uh, Cromac Water yes. and then we legged on up to Buttermere okay. Lake. Yeah. Yeah. And, and where's then the
1: journey from there?
2: I straight above Buttermere Red Pike no. and we dropped into uh, Annadale, And uh, John Wilde. John Wilde? I, he, he was waiting for us there and he ran till uh, Washwater yeah. up Deep Gild. We got lost coming under uh, aircock. we lost 10 minutes to so saw there. We ended up in Topstock lead. It was really misty, like I was talking, and there those two or three different paths went off, because they were blocking sheep in them days, yes. you know, putting locks out in the fells. Yes. And oh, You were
1: talking. Now, this is the thing. Instead of focusing, you were talking to somebody.
2: I Oh, I was talking away. <laughs> and It's a conversational run. I you know? Yeah it was. And where do you go from there? We dropped in just down here. We came in down uh, by Greendell Town, down the path here, and then the middle fell. Yeah. And uh, down Ron Wood there, just below Greendale. And uh, over to the youth hostel, and we touched the uh, lake there. Right. The next one from there was over to uh, Devonwater. Deva- have you been to Devonwater? I have, course, yes. yes so, well, you've travelled. You've travelled then. And <laughs> anyways, we uh, got a good line to uh, Deverwater means m-
1: the brown trout, in it, I believe, Devot
2: Water. Uh, it's uh, Anglers' water, I think. Oh, they are f- stocked with brown trout.
1: That, well, there you are. They uh, Very appropriate. And uh, so where from Devot Water?
2: Cut back to Goatswater. That's quite a long leg, really. We come in through Seathwaite, mm-hmm. Walnascar, yes. Blind Tarn, and then we contoured through to Goatswater. Then we swung back and then climbed out to uh, Low Water. Yes. And from there we went to Levers Water. Leavers shot in down the copper mines and down the road and we got lost in Coniston it was absolutely congested with people oh. and there was cars, people everywhere and ended up in a bloody cul-de-sac <laughs> 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 Anyways, we were right there ourselves and we ended up at top end of Coniston Lake what, there, yeah. a car park there and it was right there for ice cream there was an ice cream car there so we had a big ice cream <laughs> and s- 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 sat down and s- this is a s- serious run oh, you, it know. Is. you
1: can have your ice I- cream
2: and they sat down and trained it up like.
1: With the route that we, you've described so far, it's a very convivial thing. You've got support, you've got people with you. You were working at Sellerfield at that time. Were any of those people involved?
2: Uh, quite a few of them. One or two, one or two uh, instructors. I'd got. You know, to do a bit of running. Yeah. There was Tom Bell and uh, Alan Jackman. You know, they were the little chap I worked with. They did certain areas with us you had
1: pacemakers did you as a uh, way
2: well the run don't think there's so much pace they were with us like, <laughs> yeah. uh, they were company they're a good so, crack it, it didn't matter where you went there was either a couple of princes time you know there was someone running with you talk about that, a yeah. man
1: of the people <laughs> you definitely were and <laughs> was, are
2: aye I, like, I, I know we got to uh, East Wet Water you know I'd never really been there before but I, yeah, just that once East Wet Water that's and, a, right that, out of the way aye you know it's tail end of nowhere isn't it it is like through Oakshead. It's a lovely little place, Oakshead. Oh, yes. I really enjoy going through there. I think it's
1: Potter Country.
2: Aye, that's the spot where just Potter love to be. Aye. Oh, sorry. And then from and there we sort of come back to uh over and them sort of places. Over Lutherag? Red Bank. Over oh, Red Bank, yeah. I dropped in there. And then to uh, Rydal.
1: Yes.
2: Then yes. down to Windermere. Stopped at Watred. I got in Sunnit Lake up to my knees for 10 minutes and my support never turned up. <laughs> I think Dave Elliott and, uh, and the young lad who was with us, he had just okay. been far enough, And anyway, Alan Jackman was there with us. And after about 10 minutes, of, I said, look, we're just wasting time here. So we shot down the road to Lower Wood, yeah. and then from out there, so the support vehicle could give us a, a drink and a bite to eat like
1: you've given us a feel for the journey. I'd like to see a bit more of this walk <laughs> and then we'll go and continue the journey from Troutbeck. We made it up to the fold, just below the base of the bracken that you've cleared, Joss, and you can still see that you've just been clearing the bracken recently. And I'm enjoying this the, the setting here because the view from here, and we really haven't got to grips with the view, It's stunning. Can you describe the view
2: from here, this fold? Uh, it's something very, very special. You look down there, it's uh, Herton Pike, and Latterbarre, Mecklin, and you come up over Mecklin, up onto Windrig, Hale Gillead, and then you drop in on onto Scorpel Pike, and then you go over uh, Broadcrag, Hale Crag, Crag onto Great End.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe you love... The corridor
2: route? I've come through the corridor route many times. Yes. And uh, you know Mall Lingmel. Lingmel. comes back into the valley. You know, that was one of the favourite places to end a big run. Aye, <sighs> because I, I used to often go out that way. Not often, but I used to try and do it once, once in summer if I had time. And I used to run out up the road from Bowderdale, up the nose of Lingmel, through the corridor route for a little bit, up the Roundhouse, oh, under, yes, under Cold Kell, yes. down to Eskos, Angletown. Teabag Town, up on the tea Teabag
1: Town? Where's that? On Allen Crags?
2: No, on no, oh, End of Rosset Pike. That's soft ground on the End of Rosset Pike. There are pit hole there, oh, yes. and it's called Teabag Town. Is it something to do with refreshment? It is, yes. There's an old teabag floating about, in there now I went past, and I christened it. I nearly got a bloke convinced that I took it out the other day. And if I hadn't told them differently, I would have gone and told everybody.
1: We were just talking about this setting, actually. Uh, <laughs> you can't just see Great Gable from no, here, but, but you've got Fell.
2: Great Gable the next one after Great End, actually. Yep. Then Beckhead, Kirkfell, and then on the Pillar.
1: Now that's a grand panorama, a physical journey. I'm Fascinated by the actual little enclosure, the fold that you've got is in the midst of.
2: What do you think it originally was? I think it was a, a place where there were, in the olden days when there wasn't a lot of... Sheep dips and uh, DDT and stuff. Yeah. And they would cut some into those little enclosures to get the maggots off them. you would have a dog and maybe a bit of a heck there to stop them from getting out. A heck, and of course, is a gate. Aye. Yeah. And uh, this here is something very special. I bet they've been the old shepherd sat on that stone many, many times. There's a bit of bedrock there with, uh, with a stone wedged in it. It's as level as can be without a level of the high and it's not far off. And they've been an all that, sat on there many, many times.
1: And shepherds have been here for centuries.
2: It'd be nice to know more about it, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, that's history there.
1: And you've got two different kinds of stone built oh, into this.
2: A lot of these ones here, they're called through stones. Yep. And I put that there, so to stop the sheep wandering round. Because they love getting on top of walls. Oh, like they do. They're all rats and dibbles.
1: And, and there's some Beckstone in here.
2: What do you call it? Cobbling? Uh, it is hardens. You know that they have no corners on Beckstones. The are little round devils about to wall, like. We're looking down
1: onto Greendale, and you can see all those lovely enclosures there. Some of those walls down there
2: are much fatter than others. Can you explain why? Aye, that, that's all been cleared of stone. The meadow Aye. itself. Aye, and you know it'll be two meters six from that wall. Yep. The wall all come off the land. You know they come down the river, yep. that river used to go the other way, and it was in the 1914 18 war yes that uh, the prisoners of war German and Italians, yes. and they you know built the wall up either side of the river and made it stable like so,
1: Beck was improved by their efforts. You became a farmer yourself. After your middle road days, you took over Bowderdale Farm.
2: Aye, uh, that was 1963. I moved to Bowderdale. Aye. Uh, so uh, were tra- you a tenant? I was a tenant then. I, uh, I. Uh, what was the size of your flock? Uh, just around twenty five 125 stock sheep, great ups Aye. Uh, that means,
1: of course, you were actually up on the fells doing things. What sorts of activities were you involved in, in farming terms?
2: Uh, well, a lot of gathering, sheep gathering. Uh, I used to gather from, you know, a lot of people. Then they used to gather for the Enidal lads, you know, there'd be four to five different sorts of shapes we used to gather. I used to gather for a chap called Jackson Fay and his shape went an Iron Crag. Well, the other lads' shape, some of them went uh, under Aycock and uh, up until Gowder Crag and there, like. Yes. I used to gather right back till they drew a circle there, you know, where you come up out of Henedale and uh, the common. Nice. And you know, in them days, a lot of shape on the fells, so maybe if. Three or four thousand sheep, and we got back there like. Wow, that uh, takes some
1: gathering when uh, you've got that number of sheep. And how many dogs would we be involved? Uh,
2: well, there'd be a fair number of dogs, but I know one morning I set off from Bowderdale, quarter to nine, and had them all gathered at coming on to the uh, Druid Circle there at 11 o'clock. Oh. Plenty of dog power, in they knew where they were going like dogs. I had one in particular at all last year, I used to send it in, you know, when I was climbing out of in day on saddle that runs from deep gill through to Quality Corner, mm. and it knew where it was going. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had one called Patchy who was fancied himself a bit. He used to get excited when he set him off, and he used to run in off the end of the core down nearly to the little bottom of Wormgill, and he'd back every step, and them sheep prick the lugs up and out of there like rockets. <laughs> uh,
1: did you say Wormdale?
2: Wormgill. You? Yeah,
1: well, Wormgill.
2: Ah, oh, oh, yes. It runs sort of from uh, Wall-on-Core down yeah. to the uh, waterworks at the uh, bottom of Wormgill. What's the mountain pinfold there? Just yes. as you come out of the forest there. Yes. It's called, what is it? Br- Bratstones. Samson's Bratful, that oh, kind of aye, thing. Aye, that's it. Tell the listeners what a Bratful was. <laughs> <laughs> a brat. Yes, a brat twinders. I see. Yes. Aye, that's yeah. where it would probably come from. There was sort of a heart shaped thing. Yes, heart shaped. Aye, that you stitched onto these young lady sheep from the top of the tail about four inches down. Yes. To stop the rams from mating them because oh, wait, they it? weren't uh, matured enough to suckle a lamb. It's contraceptive. It's a contraceptive for sheep. <laughs>
1: uh, we're into it now.
2: Yeah. And uh, you, you were involved with the Wasdale Head Show. A good show of Edwicks there. Uh, probably one of the best show of Edwicks anywhere, you know, in the Edwicks calendar. Don't tell Eskdale. No. <laughs> <laughs> they're on a good second. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Uh, did you ever go drinking at all? Did you go to the uh, inn? Uh,
2: like a pint of Guinness-like. Guinness. Like. Guinness uh, yeah.
1: So there, there you are, my listeners. If you want to know, d- don't go for supplements, go for Guinness.
2: Uh, I've drunk Guinness for 80 years now. It saved my life. I got my tonsils taken out on about four, four years old, somewhere about there. They made a mess of it. Oh. Like I can feel them taking them out yet. We went in. There's about eight or ten of us sitting on this pretty trolley thing. They sort of put half a mask over your face and the the thing like an ice cream scoop, mm-hmm. and they push it down your throat and they made a mess of my throat. And I couldn't, you know, eat. I would say for a three or four weeks, and I was on condition cream. So Mr Guinness has something to be very thankful for, that I have. Whoever Mr Guinness was, he was a pure genius. He was. He developed something that was useful. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a bloody comedy act, you know, it's serious stuff. (laughs) Good
1: moment again to stop and think about some of your achievements, Joss. Among them, of the great achievements, was that immense run that you did going up Schofeld Pike... Up and down. And how long did it take you?
2: 47 minutes. No. Aye. That's as true as I'm standing here. Aye. When was this? It would be about 76, 77, somewhere in about there, because I never thought I'd about it at the time, you know. Uh, What I was supposed to be doing was going up with these four young army officers from Germany. Right. They were doing it as a challenge. Mm-hmm. This chap rang us up the night before yeah. and said, could I go up with them, up Scorfield Pike? I had a friend and his wife staying from uh, northeast, yep. John Sutherland, and they said, can I come along with you? And I said, aye, no problem. So he timed us off when I got that wooden bridge. And I wasn't going to, you know, race it or anything. Uh, and I got to the wooden bridge at, uh, below Brackencloth where I was going to meet these young yeah. fellows. They've been gone an hour. And anyways, I set off, like I said to John, I said, I'll just have a run up and down because I've come yep. to see what time I can do it in. I set off. The old lad said to John, he'll never catch my boys. <laughs> 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 They've been gone an hour. Aye, anyways, I I didn't go brown tongue. Nope. I just went up by the river and it wasn't I wasn't moving I thought that fast because it wasn't a real good path. Nope. I jumped across the back at the bottom of little brown tongue, it's straight up. Yep. and my legs just clicked and I shot up there like a little rabbit yeah. and I come out at the right spot and I just sprinted across to the uh, where the cairn is yes. and just before I got to the cairn, I met my boys, oh. they were still gone, and I, ne- I never spoke to them because they didn't know me not, no. about, not about it.
1: You were a ghost <laughs> So
2: I, I touched the cairn, and I set off back down one path goes to Mickledale yep. and the other one drops in to pick the corridor route up and, and come down Brown Town. Turn right there, because there's a little scree bed down side of a crag. And I was just going down that scree bed as the helicopter swung round and the cameraman had his...
1: Lens pointed to you. That's
2: right. This old commanding officer. hell spell. He said, I've never seen anything like that. He said, he's like a bloody mountain goat. And he said, fill him down to the bottom. He swung round and I was shot off across the path that goes down to the corridor. And then I took a good line on the lingmail. Good fast running. And anyways, i come right straight down the top of Lingmell, Down draft off the helicopter it was absolute magic. <coughs> you could sprint and it held you in position. And I didn't half leg it. Right down till bridge. said to John when I got to bridge, I said, What's, how long's that taken, John? And he said, exactly 47 minutes. Well, I never thought no more about it. Oh, for a few years after, then, Westle race up and down Scoville Pike. One of these Italian l- lads did it in 50 minutes. And I thought to myself, for well, only my 47 minutes, maybe it wasn't a bad time after all. This is your home
1: ground. It's like walking around somebody's garden. You knew the fells, how to take shortcuts. That's it.
2: Oh, aye. You can read ground, like, you know, when you get a shape and that sort of thing. I can almost remember i the, to the marathon up in Scotland. We're coming up this valley, and it was long heather and vented grass and stuff. It was bad travelling. And there was shape on the fells, like... And there was a bit of a clear bit of ground sort of running by this crag. And I said to Alan, I said, just nip across to that. I said, there'd be a good track out there. And there was, you know, and it's just where, you know, there would be chess and shape in when they gathered like. But, you know, it's like all the paths on the fells, you know, that's become paths. They were nearly all shaped trods. Our local knowledge comes into these sort of things a lot. If you're going through rough ground and you've got to raid the stones, and if you see a rough stone or a stone that's facing the wrong way, you don't stand on it because you end up on your backside if it's, if it's wet. And it's just little things like that. You'll maybe see a hairy of the stones and there'll maybe be a patch where, you know, the bigger stones have rolled out and you can see some good firmer stones. You can nip across a, a, a scree bed on or something like that.
1: Because it, when it gets wet and it gets very greasy and that can I be know, dodgy. Been,
2: you know, rain for a few days uh, it, it becomes what they call a bit snotty. Snotty. Uh, snotty. 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 Ah, uh, you know, it's got that bit of slime about it, and, yeah. you know, you can end up on your backside if probably damage yourself if you're Quiet. not sharp enough to, to say it like. Now, there's a
1: nice little story in the book about a young lad called Ben at High Wallabarra Farm in the Dutton, and he asked you a question. What was
2: that? Oh, he was uh, on about wanting to start training to, to run, and I said, first thing, get rid of that quad bike. I said, uh, don't do you any good riding about one of them. I'm nothing against squad bikes, because let's face it in many cases, if a lot of can become injured anything like that. Tremendous asset to them. But, you know, I never had, a, never had one.
1: So we're picking up that story. I left a little while ago at Troutbeck, the Lakes, Mears and Waters Run, 105 staggering miles. Where were we? We were at Troutbeck. You were heading for Skeggles Waters. So how did uh, you get there?
2: We dropped back uh, along the road a little, which is Gavin Pass, oh. over into uh, Kentmere. And from Kentmere, we picked the path up that goes back to Skeggleswater. Now, Skeggleswater, it used to be a, a, a dam for shoe actually, I think, it's Kendall. That's where the water went. Right. But anyways, it's fine in the spot. And there there was in full bloom. It was just something very, very special.
1: This is is integral to your running. This sense of magic of places.
2: Uh. And anyways, coming away from there, I set off as though I was going to go over into Longsleddle. And then I had a change of mind that I would do Kentmere. So we dropped back into Kentmere, ran the old uh, backhorse route. It was good running. And anyways, I got there touched the water, and I just lay on the grass, sprawled out for about ten minutes, just relaxed, and then jumped up, up over the top, small water, and then to uh, blee water. And blee water,
1: yeah.
2: Then down into hose water, and then over the top to here's water, and then we dropped into uh, brother's water. And just before I got to brother's water, we stopped and had a little bath. No. So I sat in there for about five minutes, had a good soak, Whose house was it you went into? Uh, I think it was a chap called Dave Hill.
1: How did he come to invite you in? You were
2: coming by? I, I helped him with a Bob Graham or something. He likely read up a knew from somewhere that I was doing it because I didn't get a lot of publicity because it was just a spur-of-the-moment thing, like you know. And anyways, he yeah, had this bath full of water.
1: Do you have a bath once a year whether you need it or not?
2: You don't bath in my way of life. <laughs> <laughs> we're on more or less the uh, road back down to Patterdale, yep. and then up through the old mine workings and over Jake Pass.
1: Oh, you didn't include Red Tarn?
2: No, we didn't put the tarns in there. Red tarn?
1: Something I got that all <laughs> wrong. me.
2: I'm Not much good on these jobs, boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, rubbish. <laughs> I, and from there, we went over to uh, Thirlmere. Yep. From Thirlmere, we went to Durban Water, down the uh, road, mm-hmm. and then up to the Druid Circle and in down the path. And it was just coming dark when we were coming into there. Yeah. Uh, now we stopped at the old theatre by the lake after we had been to uh, Devon Water, We'd come up Clove Park to the old theatre by the lake mm-hmm. and we had a refreshment there, a tea and a sandwich, and that perked us up.
1: Of the many runs you've done and, and unbelievable achievements, what made this route so distinctly important
2: to you? Well, it was one that was more or less looked at one weekend and done, and put on the ground the next. And it was just so beautiful, the whole lot of it. Like, you know, there was different shades of grains and different shades of everything, you know. And wherever you went, it was something very special from we started till we got to the finish. You know, although the light had gone towards the finish. But that day, it was just a day of magic. You know, you could not describe it in words. It
1: might be you described as your greatest fell day.
2: I good company all day, and you know a good crack. I with the right people, and in the right area, the most beautiful part of the world I've ever seen, and just could see it in one day.
1: Magic, absolute pin sharp magic. Your achievements are quite legendary and legion in their number and um, what we'd like you to do is to give us in the shortest response possible what the abiding memories of these treks were. We have uh, ready-made Viv Crow here who's written the book with you. Perhaps Viv you could actually give Joss the questions.
3: Okay well I guess the first one that we probably want to think about is the 24-hour fell record and that basically is where uh, runners run up as many fells as they can <laughs> in 24 hours that's what it says on the tin that's exactly right i and uh, i know that one pretty well started
2: and finished at keswick and it was one of those roasting hot days and i can remember getting on the top of skidder and just stopping and looking around where i was going and it just seemed absolutely impossible and 24 hours after, I limped back into Keswick. My feet were burning. It was so hot, you know, going up on the uh, Grisel pike. The pass hadn't cooled down, and the sun had been up at four o'clock, and my feet were burning. I had to get a pair of shoes off Hiker to walk into Keswick again.
3: So that was that route. Next route, Viv. Uh Well, it was the National Three Peaks. That's where runners go up. Um, well, still do, in fact. They're still very popular. Snowden uh, Schofield Pike and Ben Nevis Aye, the absolute magic
2: thing to do actually, in them days a lot of the motorways weren't there the weather were, wasn't there, we went going up and down the bend the mist was down to 500 feet the rain was coming straight down and just lucky I was running really well, shot up and down and I was up and down in 25 minutes from the youth hostel and uh, jumped in the car I'd ate a biscuit before and it stopped down and I never had anything else to eat. I ran all that three peaks on a biscuit. Uh, Next one, Viv. Uh, what about Pennine Way? Pennine Way. The first day was absolutely magic. Everything went well, apart from coming off the uh, tribut at the start. And I was gone like a silly sod. I was going too fast. And I stepped in a hole with no bottom. And I didn't come out. And I hit the ground. Oh, I could see stars for about three hours after. And I had a lovely day that day, you know, otherwise than that. Coming to Duffton at night, we walked in, you know, got up next morning, and that leg was black and blue up in the Lisk. And this other leg, well, it's just half a leg. It just goes for a ride, like getting over to, to Middleton, in Teesdale from Duffin. I was just like a cripple. I, I should have been finishing the three days, but the lads who were going to do the last leg on the third day they said, you've took two and a half days off the record now. He said, you can finish it tomorrow morning. So I should be finishing inside three days. So I was a bit nuffed about that bike.
3: Next route, Viv. Uh, so in, in the summer of 76, a very long hot summer, Joss did the coast to coast from the North Sea coast to the Irish Sea coast.
2: Uh, that was one of the most cruel things I ever did. We had a nice run over the moor in the morning, you know, from uh, Robin Hood's Bay till Oz got to and John North had run part of the last section with us and he put his feet in the bucket and his hair stood up on end. And as that day it got hotter, hotter, the tarmac was running on the road and he was literally pulling your feet out of it and he pulled the ligaments off my hips. We stopped night there at Tee and next morning I was in pain couldn't stride out. There were a long 100 mile or so till we got back in uh, St Bays and I put my feet in the sea and they were burnt to bits. I lost the pads off my feet and 10 toenails. It was absolutely disgusting. I'll never forget that as long as I live. It was literally torture.
3: Next one, Viv. Right, well, for Joss's 60th birthday, uh, so it would have been 1996, wouldn't it? Um, he did 60 peaks in 24 hours. Is that right,
2: Joss? I, I can't remember now what the time we were going to do with him in, but anyways, first 12 hours went really well. And then my legs started to go, and I'd been badly poisoned with uh, organic phosphorus sheep dip. And uh, it had bothered nerve ends in my legs and that, and I kept dropping in a heap like... Physios were doing all sorts of things with us and couldn't do any good. And it was a bit of a nightmare. Well, it should have been finished in 24 hours. I think it took 30 hours or something like that. It was just, just a complete nightmare because my body was strong and my legs were dead,
3: you know. And then 10 years later, 70 or 70, wasn't it? Oh, that, that was
2: something very, very special, it was the 70 70. Everything went all right all day. I can always remember coming up onto Airstacks and I looked into Buttermere, and Buttermere Lake is the most picturesque piece of water in the world. And I sat there for about a couple of minutes, just admiring the views in that lake. The views were sharper in the water than the way out. It was just a magic time to be there, and I was just lucky to sit there and take it all in. Is there another one, Bev?
3: Um, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's something to plan in there. <laughs>
1: So the uh, tail end of the 105-mile uh, incredible route you did in 1983, you were aiming for overwater, and did people join you? Which route did you follow?
2: Well, I followed the road from uh, there by the lake. Oh, yes. yes out, out to the uh, roundabout, and then took the road down to there. Where you turn off to go up to, where we had been to Bassentwett Lake. Now, going down that road, it was torture. It had been actually about three, four weeks before, and all the chippings were still in back of the dike, and you had to run on them for about five, six miles before you got off them. And, you know, your feet were wanting a bit of comfort by the time you got, got onto there, and it was just. A bit of punishment, that.
1: And you were not alone, though?
2: No, I had lads running with us and a car behind and a car in front. And uh, where we were going to go down to the lake, the lads had lights, you know, shining down to the water. Uh, it was just magic. And then we uh, come back through the fields to get back to, on the main road to go up to Overthwaite, And there wasn't a word spoken on that four mile up to Roverswaite.
1: In uh, in the ecstasy, you might oh, say.
2: It, it was in my mind I was going to run the lot, so I, I dug in and ran it. But the lads with us, they weren't talking, they were just digging in in the car lights like that. Uh. And then we got there and there was lads with lights, you know, shining on the path to the water. And then we had a good crack after and then we all went home. Uh, <laughs> got up next morning, fit, and now it went wrong, and when things don't go wrong, you know, you take no harm. Uh,
1: it was a pretty significant achievement because you actually broke the record by several hours.
2: Uh, I don't know, about six hours or something. I never thought about that.
1: You set, uh, set a gauntlet, but nobody's really taken advantage of or uh, been able to face.
2: Uh, it's lasted longer than the Bob Graham did. Yeah.
1: And there's been some uh, amazing achievements since, uh, like Steve Birkinshaw and so oh, on. Oh,
2: God, I, You know, there's Sabrina, Shae what do you call her? She is something very, very special, like, you know,
1: you are great admirers for others.
2: I, I, like, I like to go and see them doing these things. like you know, and It just gets people out and gets people in this world to see what can be done.
1: In the Running community, you get involved, you give medals out, you encourage youngsters.
2: But you know, they go through an age group. And there isn't a big lot of age groups that come out of that age group. When they get to 15, 16 year old, they find there's such things in the world as girls. But you get that small element that continue and they're really great people. It's a pity more, you know, get lost in that uh, transaction of life because we lose a lot of good athletes and athletes. good people like. Yeah. It's the stress of life, you know, and you're trying to make you know, a career for yourselves and that sort of thing. Yeah. You might be having time to, you know, go have a running or cycling or whatever you did. But in all sports. It's keeping people doing it. Because it occupies the minds, it builds relationship up. Have you got
1: just one nugget of advice for uh, an aspiring fell runner?
2: For any young fell runner, make sure he can enjoy his own company and get into the way of life around him when he's out. When you run away on your own, you're taking things in, and it's the time to think. And you can think and put your life right when you're away out on your own. And I'll tell you what, it's a great way to be. We just run along, taking things in, relaxing and switch anything that's bad out of your mind and come back a better person.
1: Well, certainly, you're an exemplary example of that, all of that. This is the, the quick fires, Joss. What's your first Lakeland memory?
2: Aye, now then, my first Lakeland memory... Was in 1939, going down to the wooden bridge below Brackenlos, and seeing what damage a storm can do, and it was something that stuck in my mind for the rest of my life. Yes. Just to see the damage water can do, yes. because it it would wash out probably two or three years of people's work. Yes. Just went, the bridge, the lot, from the top side of Brackend Loss ...till nearly the lake. It ripped all the walls and paved bottom of that river out.
1: The ferocity of it, phenomenal. It's
2: unbelievable. And then it blocked it up and blocked the bridge up... ...and then went its own way. What's your favourite Lakeland fell? Yeah, but was always the one... ...because I went up there when I was about four years old... ...you know, to get a shape, And it's always been a big part of my life, like, you know. It's a
1: lovely fell.
2: Wainwright or Wordsworth... I, I think Wordsworth was probably a, a more jolly fella, but for leaving the legend, writes the man, because he's given a lot of people a lot of pleasure, but he wasn't probably the most pleasurable person to meet on the fells route like that. I've seen him odd times. He was one of them chaps, you know, he never had a smile on his face. He just was just very solemn. It would look the other way when you're mating them, like, wouldn't it be non-approachable, like, you know. He was definitely not like you, Joss. Have you got a favourite lake, mere, or water? I but the mere lake is my favourite water.
1: I got that feeling earlier on.
2: Have you a favourite Lakeland food? (laughs) You don't eat most. I'll tell you what I used to like, and you can't get it anymore. A bit of good old cured ham. Pride in a very good fat.
3: Uh,
2: Have you a favourite Lakeland view? I, it, it's the old view of what's and What's led, you know, from the bottom of the lake. And it's just a very, very special thing.
1: Here's a good one for you then, uh, Joss. Have you a Cumbrian hero or heroine, dead or alive?
2: Beatrix Potter. <laughs> Why would that be I, in your turn? a lot, you know, for children worldwide now. And keep reprinting. And she did a lot for her big sheep. You know, and it's a pity now that they want to take all this sheet and that off the valve because it isn't necessary. And whilst later it should have been something very, very special. It should have been treasured. People come and they don't say anything. They don't know what they come for. And you say to them, did you say such and such? And they say no. And they'll walk past it. And it just brings reality home why a lot of these people come. A big percentage of them, they don't go above 150 metres away than the cars. It just baffles me. If you had an opportunity to choose a Lakeland book that you'd like to take
1: with you on to a desert island?
2: I know then. I think the book that Vivian's wrote and Steve Wilson's photographs in it, I would take that.
1: Don't Uh, blame you. A good writer and a wonderful hero in the midst of it. And one of the really lovely things about this book that you and Viv have created is that the proceeds are going to a charity.
2: Yes. I, my part of it is going to Brady Trust in Ambleside. Uh, they take literally thousands of young people from deprived areas who have gone wrong in life. They turn the lives around and 70% of them, you know, never offend again. And I think it's a credit to Brady for what they do. They do a fantastic job and uh, I hope they continue. What would be your perfect Lakeland day? Aye, now then. Just have a good walk, a good crack and a couple of pints of Guinness there with me feet up.
0: journey's end we've descended the fell we're back down at Greendale bridge or how did Joss refer to it Mark cinderdale as in cinderdale cinder
3: yeah.
0: well that was uh, lovely we didn't go too far did we uh, we were warned of inclement weather uh, and we wanted to really just have a broad chat rather than do a long fell walk with Joss uh, knowing that we'd just be left behind actually Um, But, yeah, lovely to get that grasp of eight and a half decades loving this valley.
1: Absolutely fabulous, and uh, can you believe it? The sun
0: is out, and it's as warm as a summer's day. There's so many things to say, aren't there, Mark? I mean, Mm. first and foremost, I should say, it's a lovely book that uh, Viv and Joss have put together uh, with a lovely story behind it as well. Joss had always wanted to make a book of this particular run, uh, this formative run that Clearly, all these decades later means a huge amount to them. Full of wonderful photos, interesting historical snippets, um, and the narrative of re-walking it uh, by Viv. I think they've done a great job, as she said, Cicerone uh, publishing it. Your publishers, Mark. So oh, yes. They've got all the great people.
1: Oh, that's it. They published my, one of my earliest guides when it was Walt Unsworth, Walt and Dorothy Unsworth, and they did a fabulous job. Uh, and so they've kept their tradition going as a family business. Williams' family have it now. And young Joe is the uh, the young tyke who's coming up with new ideas. And this is a classic example of an, uh, a really good portrait of, of a man and, a, and an enigmatic figure. And just walking with him casually today and talking with him brought out
0: all that warmth of a man who loves the fells. Yeah, it's hard to pigeonhole Joss, isn't it? I mean... He's a farmer, a fell runner. He has a great passion for the heritage here. Uh, and I'm just gonna, just in case it wasn't clear earlier on, just gonna highlight this area that I think you know should be renamed something like Jossville. <laughs> Jossville. <laughs> so if you're driving towards Waswater from Gosforth on the upper road, is that yep. how you would describe it? The upper road, underneath the bold scarp of Buck Yeah, if you're on that particular road and you get to Greendale and you look on your left-hand side on the fell, there's this lovely pastoral area that's been cleared of bracken. And it's incredibly obvious because the whole fell side has been swamped by bracken. And this is Joss's work. Yeah, from rubbish. when he lived here, all the walls are immaculate, which is Joss's work. And there's all these wonderful trees that, that have been planted. And again, it's all Joss. It's an extraordinary thing. I mean, it needs pretty sizeable amount of space, isn't
1: it? It's like a microcosm of one man restoring a place. It is, yeah. And when there were farmers looking after their own small patches of ground, this is the kind of custodial care that they would have
0: shown. I mean, you can see there's a line, and one side of it is wild, unloved, bracken and the other is yes as you say jossville (laughs) and it looks like a garden doesn't it and he's done this over decades Mm. and i think you're right i mean it's a very kind of fitting memorial to a lifetime's work which is um fabulous to see herdwicks all bouncing around there at the moment now we've mentioned cicerone who we actually you were very kind about lamarck quite rightly too they are one of my competitors as a publisher so we, we shouldn't be too nice to them um and we should also mention another publishers which is us oh,
1: nice and, and the way
0: that you can support this podcast if you enjoy it is you can go to the country stride website www.countrystride.co.uk and you can buy a growing list of publications from country stride there that help us uh well what does it help us do
1: well, it keeps us uh, uh, keeps off the street. Off the street, it gives us bread, although I don't eat much bread these days. And in fact, if you hadn't dragged me out today, I'd have been busy drawing because I've got about half a dozen more drawing to do to complete the Oldswater Walking Companion, which is our n- next title. I
0: can't wait to do that. I've uh, test-walked one of the walks and it was, it was great. I thought I knew Oldswater pretty well. You've got
1: I... 20 walks in there, and then, then you're chasing me off to do a, a
0: Keswick Walking Companion. Yeah, absolutely. So Quite there's right no dull moments in my life. No rest. For our usual housekeeping then, Mark, we're on social media. Yes, we're on Facebook and Twitter at Countrystride1. This is episode number 63, Uh, 62 former episodes, check our website. But for now, from Greendale, sun breaking through, what was a very claggy morning we're saying. Thanks for joining us and Joss at Greendale, and see you on the next Country Stride. And thank you for listening.
2: It flows on the uh, oh, butter yes. it, 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 Where did you, where, where did you it, find yeah. this bugger at?
1: Right? Are <laughs> <laughs> right
2: yeah. you sort of in charge, here?
1: Yeah. Me? I, I you, you relate to me, but I'm not in charge of anything. <laughs> right, <laughs> There's a sheep over there that's more in charge than I am. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, at least it's not a bugger all about it.